Thank you so much for having this hearing and, and for the privilege um, of allowing me to uh, speak to you today. Um, there's so much uh, to talk about on this subject that I have supplemented my uh, written testimony for this hearing with my written testimony when I appeared before Congress in 2012 um, and 2013. I testified on behalf of the Pitts-Udall bill, which would, was an anti-doping legislation, which essentially went nowhere. Um, I've also included in the appendix an uh, analysis that I was asked to write for the Commerce Committee on the Bar-Tonka bill, which is one of two horse racing anti-doping legislations uh, that are currently pending. Um, my summary on that, just so that you know where I stand, is that that bill is so seriously flawed that I actually think that it will make matters worse. Um, okay, uh, I graduated from Tufts Veterinary School in 1985, so I've been in private veterinary practice for 34 years. My patients have included some racehorses that are in the Hall of Fame, and yet I regularly um, treat horses, attend uh, to horses at every level of the sport. Um, rehabilitation and injury prevention has been something that I um, have focused my private practice on and my research from the beginning. And uh, I had a unique experience when I was at Tufts Veterinary School because I was in such an early class that they threw us in with the medical students for a lot of our courses and they actually allowed us to get our MDs if we chose to, but it would mean another year of tuition and uh, in a decision that only a 25-year-old can make, I decided that I would do all the clinical rotations that related to the work I was going to do, sports medicine, rehabilitation, orthopedics, orthopedic surgery, podiatry, exercise physiology. So I essentially kept getting in line and I repeated all those rotations because I was learning so much that I knew that I would apply to my work with horses. I had ridden horses at a very serious level um, in uh, show horse competition. So after about four years, um, I realized that uh, I was not getting very good results. I had wonderful owners, um, worked on, uh, had a Kentucky Derby horse in my first year of practice. I've had patients in every Olympic Games since 1985. And yet, I found that the clients were far too willing to accept that these horses should retire from the sport even if they had a minor injury. You know, you can have a lesion, uh, an injury in a tendon that's no bigger than the, uh, uh, your fingernail, and that can essentially mean the end of that horse's athletic career, which just made no sense to me. So I did a three-year fellowship in human medicine, in physical medicine and rehabilitation with an emphasis on sports medicine, and transferred all of those methods and practice, the ones that would apply, over to horses. Absolutely everything changed. It's a different thought process. So armed with this new information, I went out, um, and about 50% of my uh, practice is racehorse and the other 50 show horses. And so the services that I offer are all proactive. As I tell my new clients, an emergency call in my practice is, I just bought a new horse, 
It has the greatest potential, I've been told, for this particular sport, and it's completely sound. I say, let me get to the airport and get there, because this is when we have to start evaluating these horses in, in detail, and we need to know enough about what we're asking these horses to do. In racing, it's easy. They go once around an oval track with a very good surface, so we know from a scientific standpoint what we need to prepare that body to do. So if you have a health-centered veterinary service where your only goal is to optimize health, then that's when all the good things happen. But that's not what we have today. Um, what goes on at these racetracks, and I know from personal experience with my own patients, is that the veterinarians have completely abdicated their authority as medical professionals and their duty um, according to the statutes uh, by the Veterinary Practice Act. And what they do is they simply deliver drugs at trainers' requests. Um, the, I, I'm usually the reality check for a lot of these owners. Some of them have had racehorses since before I was born. And then I have to sit these guys down and say, well, I can tell you I was called in for this uh, horse that's injured. Well, let's just take a look at the drug record. There are no medical records kept by these veterinarians. They weren't created because the service was never delivered. Um, you know, in order to uh, administer, prescribe, or dispense a single dose of any drug, as a licensed veterinarian, you have to abide by standard of care. That means I have to start by taking a history. Then I have to do a complete physical examination. I need to make a diagnosis. If I need certain diagnostic testing um, uh, means to make that diagnosis, I have to employ that. Once I've made a diagnosis, I have to come up with a therapeutic plan that may involve drugs, it may not. And please don't let anyone tell you that a drug is in and of itself therapeutic. It's the context in which any drug is given that determines whether or not it's therapeutic or what I call anti-therapeutic because it not only doesn't help, but it actually makes things worse. Let me give you an example. Um, in racehorses, uh, the, uh, they commonly uh, uh, develop acute traumatic arthritis. So that's just part of training. All that has to happen is the horse does a little bit more work, the track comes up a little bit hard, no big deal. The joint just has a minor inflammation. So certainly giving an anti-inflammatory to that patient is appropriate treatment for that, but only if it's in the context of that horse resting. What you can't do is give that drug and then say, keep training, keep racing, but that's what happens at these tracks. I had so many horses leaving my practice in Florida or Kentucky and coming up to New York, and by the way, New York is no worse than any other place, but I simply wasn't following them so that I couldn't essentially monitor everything that happened to them. And so many of these horses had, a, had the kitchen sink of drugs dumped into them within days of arriving at a racetrack in New York, I would ask owners, please make sure that any veterinarian that treats your horse, just have them work with me 
If, they, if they've made a diagnosis, please have them call me. We're glad that they're offering a service, but keep me involved. No phone call would ever come. I had uh, clients that sent registered letters saying, you know, it's my right as an owner to insist that you send the medical records to Dr. Lyons, never had a single record sent. When I would finally, in some cases, be able to track some of these track practicing vets down, one guy said to me, um, oh yeah, no, I got that letter. I didn't know what you were asking for. You should just ask the client. It's on his bill. But if you, oh, that horse is with that trainer, well, I can tell you what that trainer likes to use. So drugs are not being used therapeutically, and that absolutely contributes to the completely unacceptable um, development of these injuries. Um, and in response to Dr. Palmer's something that, that he mentioned, I was very happy to hear him say this. Um, and this is included in, in my uh, appendix as well. For all of these years, uh, we were getting, it started in 1992, when a, a client of mine, Phoebe Hurst in California, became a racing commissioner. And she called me and she said, so what can we do about safety in racing? I, I've been made a commissioner. And I said, necropsy, mandatory necropsy programs. We've got to figure out why these horses are dying on the racetrack. So that was when that first began. So for 25 years, here's the bottom line of what we've learned. Pre-existing injury is the reason for the majority of catastrophic breakdown in these horses. That's good news. The reason it's good news is that we can detect pre-existing injury. Now it's true that standard x-ray um, is proving to be insufficient. I'm going to actually, you have about two minutes, I'm going to actually. Oh, okay. So um, in, uh, every year I go to the annual conference in, in human medicine that uh, uh, is the one that I did my fellowship training in. So every year I've, I'd ask, I need to be able to image horses. I need to be able to find microfracture and edema and all of these problems that, that are hard to detect. Every year they told me the same thing. We wish that we had that too, but you know, we don't. Well, in 2014 in December, the former head of this academy made a beeline for me in the reception area and she said, ask me your question, you're going to like my answer this year. There was a new kind of CAT scan, she's the head of a department at Mayo Clinic, a new kind of CAT scan that can image it, the standing patient. So that, of course, is necessary for horses. Long story short, I've worked with the company. We can image a horse from above its knee or hock all the way through and including the hoof. It can detect the microfractures. Through artificial intelligence, the computer can automatically tell us what bone density is, how thick the bone is, whether or not it's adapting to training because these injuries that these horses are getting are actually part of the natural process of the body uh, adapting to increasing training and, and racing. So we need to stress it and then rest it. Well, this CAT scan can do this. So what I've proposed is that we do a pilot study at a racetrack, but we need to be able to scan all horses in training repeatedly so that we can begin to collect the data 
I want to thank you. We're going to do questions. So I want to thank you because starting on page five of your testimony, you did give ideas and reforms. So I want to thank you very much for that. 